Hi, this is Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio, and I'm here in the TD Garden to talk to you about showing us your support in a new way. Now, we've never asked you for anything before, but we are looking to make a major expansion, and we need your help to do it. So now is the time to donate to CLNS Radio, whether it's one cent, whether it's $100, whether it's $1,000. We need your help now. What we want to do is bring you our free mobile application and then give you all these premium services that we've wanted to give you before, and we need your help to be able to do it. Now, we've been giving you free service for nearly seven years now in the CLNS Radio family, and we've never asked for money before, but we need your help now to make the big expansions to become the best possible sports network. You'll get more Garden Report content. You'll get more locker room content from all over Boston Sports. So make your contribution today. Go to www.beatsandeats.net slash support CLNS to make your pledge today. Well, good afternoon, Patriots fans, and welcome to another edition of Patriots Beat here on CLNS Radio's Patriots Beat. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is Bob Snowden. Exciting day here at uh, Patriots Beat as we are broadcasting live from the Patriots. Well, you know where I am. Bob, tell me where I am. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a little excited. That's understandable. Press box. I'm sitting at, at the press box right now. At uh, Foxborough. At the stadium, I am. I am. So very yeah. good. Uh, very good practice today. A uh, cut a little you, short. Hey, yeah. yeah. It, it's funny listening to you because your voice is kind of hushed. Because I know you're in the press box, and I and I know what that's like. But you know how when you listen to the golf tournament and someone's getting ready to make a putt, and the person goes, "He's moving up to the tee now. He's oops, someone's still on the green. He better oh, he hit him off the tee and does that in that hushed voice. <laughs> that's the sound you." You are sounding like a pro, buddy. Well, there you go. Maybe I'll be able to interview uh, Tiger Woods next. You never know what's going to happen. You know what? There you go. Let's do this. Hopefully there's not too much of an echo here as we uh, broadcast from the uh, press box here at Gillette Stadium. And a very good practice today. A little shortcut with... um, with rain today, so that was uh, that was a tough thing uh, for. Right as they were about to go to drills on the uh, on the goal line, it was cut short. Um, <laughs> heavens opened up, and next thing you know, it is absolutely pouring. But uh, a lot of hitting today. Uh, not as big as it was yesterday, but there was some good hitting uh, out there. The uh, full practice in pads. Uh, there were some guys that really showed up for me today. One of them is actually the rookie running back, and of course I'll talk running backs, but it was <laughs> surprise, surprise. The rookie running back out of Oklahoma, Roy Finch. He uh, he impressed me today. Yeah, you know, long odds to make the roster with the guys ahead of him, but he definitely did impress me today. Well, as you look at what you got to see, and it's a shame you didn't have the full day because I know you got up at five o'clock this morning to be there. But you saw enough. You, you mentioned him as a standout. Was there anyone else that kind of jumped out at you of players that surprised you? I actually liked uh, what I saw out of uh, Chandler Jones uh, on edge rushing drills. Really liked what I saw out of uh, Kemberl Tompkins. Um, had a nice uh, sideline catch where he uh, came back on Brandon Browner on the left sideline as Brady uh, threw a nice dart to him. Some good things from Josh Boyce. Um, I did see a drop by Brandon LaFell, uh, but that you know is tending to happen a little bit with him, which was one of the things we saw out of him at, uh, at Carolina. So that is one of the things that we've uh, we've seen. Another guy that stood out to me was um, <clears throat> excuse me, Michael Buchanan. Thought he played pretty well in edge rushing drills, and believe it or not, uh, Dan Connolly is playing pretty well in one on one drills. Um, other than that, the pure size of the tight end, the rookie tight end Jones, is unbelievable. I mean, he walked by me in the uh, in the <clears throat> locker room going to the press. Uh, in the alley going up to the press uh, press box, he I mean I'm six foot one, two hundred and sixty pounds, and and he made me feel small. <laughs> <laughs> well, was he six eight? 
I guess. Yep. He looked down on you. Did he pat you on the head? Is he by? I don't even think he recognized me. Oh, man. <laughs> Big things, though. Mike Reese will be joining us today at one uh, fifteen in about 10 minutes. I just had a nice conversation with Mike. He'll be calling in um, as he uh, he's going to head home. But uh, extremely good day today here at Patriots practice. Uh, you know, I got a, I got a good interview with uh, Julian Edelman. I'll be posting that online uh, shortly after the uh, after the press box, after our podcast here. Also spoke to Stephen Ridley about um, how things are going with the running backs. Uh, not only just running backs by committee, but also just the way he and the other running backs are working together. One of the things that really stood out to me today is all the running backs really becoming a team as well as the secondary. It's been extremely nice to see. What disappointments did you see out there? I, and, and I'm going to throw a name at you because he seems to be having trouble, but it's real early. Garoppolo, again, had to run laps along with your your, your Mr. Stork uh, because they just can't seem to get the, the snap off, was it? Yeah, and bad center exchange. Is is Garoppolo, though, supposedly also made a couple of big passes today and looked good. Did you get to see them? Yes, he made a very nice touch pass on a give-and-go down the uh, down the left sideline as they were coming towards us, where he hit, uh, I believe it was Josh Boyce, on a nice touch pass down that way. Uh, Ryan Mallett also, his touch passes looked a little better today. He had one uh, to Kemberl Tompkins, and Kemberl Tompkins really stood out quite today. Of course, yesterday he was, missed the last 30 minutes of practice with a knee injury, so it was good to see him out there today. Um, I didn't get to really look at Darrell Revis as much as I, I wanted to, but you can definitely tell by his hip work. I mean, his hips, they, they are in the perfect position when he is taking on anyone. There's not a, there is not a wasted move at all. When, when they're out there on the drills, and I know it's tough. I, in fact, I wrote about this earlier this week. It's hard to follow everybody because of the way the drills are set up at different fields, different locations on the field. How much did you get to see, Jeff? I know you were with the media, and usually the main drills are right in front of the media, but could you see what was going on on some of the other areas? Well, it's funny you say that because uh, a lot of the 11-on-11 11 11 stuff was, uh, was handled in the um – was handled in front of the crowds today, not not in front of the media. Um, it was down on the on the field closest to the crowds where it was. Um, so that was uh, one of the things that I noticed today. Uh, a lot of one-on-one drills were in front of the uh, the media, including um, including some work with Shane Vereen and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, they were running some uh, routes with both. Uh, actually, all three of the quarterbacks in Garoppolo, Mallet, and Brady. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, he's a he's a ways away, but Rob Gronkowski looks to be not limited at all in the way he's moving now. There's no contact, of course. He's just running, uh, you know, give-and-go routes, but he looked pretty good. Let me ask you, and you mentioned there was no contact particular drills he was using. I know they gear up the contact because you're only a week away from preseason games, but what contact actually goes on? You're really only in day two with pads on. What, what type of contact was going on today? Uh, you know, the, the contact itself wasn't huge today. There were some hits that kind of went on there. But, um, I mean, there was one scuffle between uh, um, uh, two players, uh, McDonald and Human, I believe it was. Uh, I'll have to look back at my notes. But there was a scuffle between the two of them uh, in one-on-one drills. Did Brady Was Brady throwing the ball much today, or was it uh, the backup still taking most of the reps? Uh, they all took um, – Brady did some, had some nice throws. It was a, it was a normal rotation with uh, how they looked out there. Uh, Brady would come in and throw, um, you know, and it, and it wasn't just to Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola and Campbell Tompkins, but he was completing passes to other wide receivers as well. Um, it leaned, leaned more to Brady working with um, Julian and Danny and Campbell Tompkins, but he was throwing the ball to uh, Boyce as well. Uh, it seemed like an even rep for all three quarterbacks. You mentioned LaFell had a drop. Um, were there other plays that he looked good on, or did he get yes, much? Yes. He had a play, um, again, down the left sideline, um, where he uh, basically uh, beat his coverage, got down, and came towards the middle of the field, and Brady put a, uh, a bullet on him, and he caught it, and it would have gone for a touchdown. Um, it was a very nice play. Uh, one of the things that uh, i, I got to say about um, not only Tom Brady, but uh, Garoppolo. Garoppolo has a much quicker release than I thought he would. Uh, he makes his decisions. Now, he's, he's thrown some interceptions and stuff, but he does make his decisions and he makes them quickly. 
Well, and a point was made on one of the pieces I was reading this morning that it's a little misleading when someone throws an interception in camp now because they have to throw the ball, and they have to throw it where they're intended to go. It's not like in the game where, uh uh-oh, that guy's covered, I'll check off. A little bit different in training camp at this stage. So, therefore, it's... You're going to get a few more interceptions than you would, hopefully, <laughs> you're going to get more than you would in a game because you don't have the same options you would have in a normal game at, under the normal circumstances. Exactly. And actually, one of the only things that I saw completed um, in front of Darrell Revis was actually like a three-quarter speed drill. Um, and it was to one of the uh, the, the rookie wide receivers, uh, I believe it was uh, Stanford, who was wearing number 14 today. Um, it was the only time I saw a pass that went near um, Darrell Revis. Yeah, I know they, they actually signed uh, two wide receivers just before camp today or yesterday after camp, but there were two new bodies out there in the field today, neither of which I'm really familiar with. I know you had on your, your tweeted out when we were over there who they were and what their names are. Did they look like they are just bodies, or are they people that possibly could be well, back? Or could you tell? Cole Sanford, he actually looked... Um, pretty good. He's got a bigger body. Uh, he wore number 14 today, and I'm going to thank uh, Nessus Doug Kide for pointing that out to the rest of the media. He knew exactly who they were. Uh, and Doug always does a nice thing, but uh, it was one of the things that um, he looked pretty good. Um, but, I mean, it's such a hard thing to look at these wide receivers right now without press coverage on them, and uh, especially without Aaron Dobson being in there right now. My looks, from what I can see, is they're probably just camp bodies. Well, and, and a lot of People get kind of excited when they have signings, but most of their signings now really, unless it's a big name, like maybe a tight end, I I won't go down that road completely, but our bodies, you need 90 men on your roster in training camp because training camp lasts a while. People get beat up. You don't want the guys that you know are going to be there at the regular season to be getting beat up in the training camp. So I don't get too excited by most of the signings that go on at this stage, unless it's a name that you you recognize and go, hang on, this guy's had some pretty good stats in his career. You mentioned Dobson wasn't there today. Uh, are they making any kind of announcement, Jeff? And I was going to ask Mike Reese this, too, on his timetable. Uh, Michael probably know better than me. I saw Dobson for just a second, um, and it was one of the other uh, media members that I was not uh, quite familiar with. Uh, just uh, shook his hand, seeing how he's doing his eyes day by day. But should be uh, should be time. But you know, you know how it is with the Patriots and their injured players. They don't talk uh, a lot about uh, you know their injuries. Um, one of the things you brought up was. Uh, was of course the tight end position, and uh, in his pre-practice um, uh, press conference, Nick Casario was asked about the tight end depth, and uh, he spoke very glowingly about uh, Human and, and what he's brought. And then, of course, he talked about uh, you know the plan with uh, Rob Gronkowski is that they expect him to be uh, out there on day day one of um, of the season. I understand he was also pretty high on Devlin um, during the press conferences. And not necessarily as a tight end, but just the versatility he shows and stating how much he has improved this year over last year based upon camp. Um, I, I, you know, you and I have talked about Devlin as a tight end. I think he's a, you know, possibly a good blocking tight end when he has to be. Uh, but he, they say he's got fairly good hands. Did, were you there when he was talking about Devlin? I was there when he was talking about Devlin, and a lot of uh, a lot of good things there. And then I uh, actually got a chance to uh, listen to James Devlin speak after practice, and he's uh, he's the type of guy who's willing to do anything that the team asks him, um, whether it be play uh, tight end, play uh, you know short yardage back, or be the blocking back. He's willing to do anything that it'll take for the uh, for the team to uh, to you know to make the team to help the team become victorious this year. One of the things I also was reading this morning, uh, uh, and it was a comment by Rodney Harrison about players attacking Gronk's knees, um, and a quote from him, I'm going to tell you this, and it might sound egregious, but people and teams think like this. I, that could be a concern, and, and I agree with him. I think people are going to go after Gronk's knees knowing he's susceptible. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on Harrison making those comments, Jeff? 
Well, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, when you see a, a player of Gronk's caliber get injured in the knee, you know that's going to be his weak spot. I mean, it was obviously when last year and during the Browns game when uh, when um, T.J. Ward took the shot at his knee. I mean, he's such a big man. You hit him up high, it's a, it's you know you bounce off him. Uh, you got to go low. So that's one thing that Gronkowski's going to have to worry about for the rest of his career, not just this season, is if uh, people going low to tackle him. Now, of course, the NFL has come out and and and. You know, address the the knee issues and whether or not that they, um, you know, there's basically a target area between uh, the name on the top of the jersey and and the thigh where you can tackle. They're going to be starting to call that stuff this year, so it'll be interesting. I mean, it's just like head injuries. People are going to hit people at the knees. They're going to hit people in the head. It's football. It's part of the. Uh, it's part of what happens. Well, even with the best training, it's happening so fast when you're on the field. It's tough for the defenders, and you and I have talked about this before, to go, okay, let's see, I can't hit your knee and I can't hit your head, so I better aim here, and then the guy moves. And and when the, the offensive player is moving and you've already you know kind of set yourself on a target, it's hard not to hit a player in the areas that the NFL is now saying you can't. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't want to be a defender trying to hit Rob Gronkowski out of once he's caught a ball – and and say, I can only hit him from here to here, and still I have to bring him down. That's got to be a tough chore for a defender. Sure does. And we have a call on line. I think it is Mike Reese, so we'll bring him on right now. You're on with Patriots Beat. Who's this? This is Mike Reese. How you guys doing? Hey, Mike. Doing great. Hey, Mike. Doing great. Uh, very uh, very nice to uh, have a couple minutes to talk to you today, uh, not only on the air but off the air as well. And uh, thank you for joining Patriots Beat. Definitely. I, I was just listening to what you guys were talking about, and I think you saw a play like that today in the Patriots practice in the tackling drills. I don't know if you caught it when uh, Justin Jones, the undrafted rookie tight end, who's six foot eight, two hundred seventy five pounds, and Cameron Gordon, the undrafted linebacker trying to take him down, and he doesn't go low enough. He sort of goes for the midsection, and it just he just bounced right off the guy. So it's tough. It's that, that, that hit, that zone that you can hit, that's a tough one. It's extremely tough, especially when you get guys the size of Jones and also Gronkowski. Um, you know, if they don't go low, how are you going to tackle these guys? It's It's just one of those things where, you know, it's going to be a point of emphasis in the NFL this year, but uh, something that will need to happen. Hey, Mike, Pats fans are are really excited this year about the defense. Um, Last few years have been a disappointment, whether injuries or them playing that bend-don't-break that that Belichick seems to like so much. But when you look at this year's defense, you've got eight former first-round picks in there. Is this going to be a more aggressive defense, do you think, than we've seen in past years? And I know you like the defense this year. I, I do, and, and can I just start by asking you where I should send the check for you always retweeting my Sunday notes? I mean, this is so so nice of you, you know? I mean, well, you make me feel so good, you know? Mike, not yeah. only does he retweet your notes, but every single time when we do Patriots Beat here on CLS Radio at 1 o'clock on Sundays, he always mentions you by name. I, I, I think he's got a little yeah. bit of a man crush. Well, I, just let me know where to send the check because I really appreciate it. But uh, no, I'm just joking, Bob. I, hey, you well, know, I, I, uh, I don't know. Not all the time, but I appreciate it. The, um, you know, I, I do. I think today is another good example. They, I, very, very excited about the defense. It's what intrigues me the most. And there was one play today in practice that I would just say um, sort of captures it. And it was. Um, you know, 11-on-11 running drill, and James White, the rookie running back, tries to bounce it outside to the left side. Brandon Browner, all six foot four, 221 pounds of him, you know, with the run force, and he decleats him. And, and, and White just, you know, splat onto the ground, and Browner looks up to the sky, and he sort of lets out a roar of emotion as if to say, you know, I'm bringing the wood. I play physical. I like to hit. And that's when I think about the Patriots defense. I think that's that's where it sort of starts. It's, it's, you know, the secondary with Browner and Revis and, you know, that they can play physical press coverage at the line of scrimmage. I really think that's turned around the fortunes of a defense that last year was 26th in the league on third down and struggled to get off the field in key situations. So I think that's been sort of fun to watch. Definitely has the way that, as I said to Bob before the show started, and also after the show was the camaraderie that uh, that defensive backfield was seeing seeing together. 
Yeah, and 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 um, Revis was out training in Arizona before training camp, and he had Devin McCourty out there with him, Logan Ryan, and Tavon Wilson as well. So I was interested to see how that would come together because with Revis signing here, you know, you sort of wonder how invested would he be. You know, is this just a stop on his tour, a one-year stop, or you know, would he really be? Would he really buy in and be all in? And he's been that and more. And which to me only makes it that much more intriguing. Hey, Mike, with all the injuries the Patriots had last year, there were players that were forced to step up, players that many of us had never heard of before. Who surprised you the most when they stepped up last year, and how much has that helped those that had to stand up this year as they go into training camp? Well, that's a good question. You know, the first one who came to mind, and, and you know, when we think about the defense, I was thinking of Silver Salinga. You know, a guy that they, they were mm-hmm. going with Chris Jones and Joe Villano in there, and at the end of the year, it was Salinga who really sort of, you know, I would say assumed maybe the, the Will Fork role as, as the run stuffer. Um, and I think he's got a good chance to help him this year. When we've been watching practices, sometimes you look up and you see Big Vince in there, and right to the left of him, it's Salinga. So uh, I guess that would be one guy I would pick. And, and you know, that, that type of experience that you get, can only help you going forward. Maybe Chris Jones would be number two. I, I mean, I don't think any of us thought starting the year that Chris Jones would be the defensive lineman who played the most snaps for the Patriots uh, in the season. And ideally, he's a guy you probably don't want to rely on every every snap. He gets worn down a little bit. He's a little bit of a smaller guy, but I think he can help him in sub packages. So probably start on the defensive line and those guys and those who, who stepped up and did some things to help the team last year and should help them again this year. Well, that being said, Mike, that's one of the things that I've uh, brought up, that having these guys who had to step in and go into starting roles last year, and and, and now this year they can be, you know, the backups. The, you know, the uh, Logan Ryans and, and the Alfonso Dennis can, can be the backups and the situational players, uh, along with Siva Salinga and Chris Jones. It can only bode well for the depth of the entire team. I think so, and, and good that you bring up the defensive backfield because, well, you know, we know there's going to be injuries somewhere along the line, and that, you know, right now the picture is, is almost perfect with, you know, everyone healthy. That's not going to be the case, and you just hope that the injuries don't hit as hard as they did last year, and, and you have to have some luck with the timing of the injuries. So to be able to call on depth like a Logan Ryan and an Alfonso Dennard, I mean, I would have to think, there's probably not too many secondaries in the league that, that could feel that good about themselves, you know, uh, in terms of a depth perspective with those guys. I really like Logan Ryan. One thing that stood out to me from the first four practices at training camp is we're seeing him working a little bit more on the inside part of the field. So, you know, when I think about the Patriots' defense, you know, in the secondary, it's Revis at left corner, Browner at right corner, and then Arrington in the slot. Well, Logan Ryan's getting a lot of run in there as well, and for a guy that had five interceptions last year to lead the team, if I'm not mistaken, uh, probably deserves to be on the field in some form. Maybe he can compete a little bit for time in the slot as well. You mentioned someone, uh, Mike, that I'm a little curious about because he hasn't practiced and has that, I believe it's a shoulder injury, and that's Dennard. What's happening with him? So Dennard uh, had off-season shoulder surgery. That was according to the Boston Globe. And we've seen him out on the field just in terms of working off to the side. I, I don't think he's that far away from coming back to practice, but they're going to go you know, play it safe rather than push it too hard at this point. Uh, tough off-season for him, right? I mean, he spent some time in the, um, yeah. you know, with, the, with the law stuff and down there in Nebraska. So you know, he's got some ground to make up, but uh, that's, competitive player and you know sometimes you see the size deficiency in the outside that shows up at times but you know what that that he competes hard and you know if he's a number three four guy on the outside I, I think that's a solid player to have in that type of role switching sides of the uh, ball over to the offensive side I thought Kimbrough Tompkins had a very good day today uh, one play exactly he ran a 15 yard comeback route uh, in front of Brandon Browner uh, made a great catch on the sidelines your thoughts on what his start to the camp? So really, really felt felt like you know he had a great first couple days and and really took advantage of the opportunity of Aaron Dobson not practicing you know being on the PUP list uh, to start camp. 
Tom Brady clearly has a lot of trust and faith in him, and, and it shows. I thought the last couple of days maybe you see a little bit of the inconsistency with his hands, had a drop today. I don't know if you caught that. Um, it's hard to see everything when you're watching a training camp practice, but I think right now as I line up the receivers, you know, it's Edelman is obviously the, the given to be out there. It looks like Amendola is in the slot, and then the third guy right now Kenbrell Tompkins, and it's not even really close right now if you, you know, as long as Dobson's not practicing because I think he is far and away ahead of where Brandon LaFell and Josh Boyce are at this point. Oh, I couldn't see uh, that, that practice uh, drop by um, Tompkins. Of course, I'm I'm sitting in the back. You all got those good seats way up front. I'm sitting in the back, you know, being <laughs> the new guy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And you saw, you saw me with those binoculars, right? Uh, yeah, that's what I had to do. <laughs> you mentioned LaFell. How has he looked so far? I know he had a drop today. Is he a lock, do you think, Mike? Oh, wow. Good question. I, You know, I could judge it after four days. I would say a little bit of a rocky entry, maybe the first four days of training camp. He did catch my eye today with a one-handed catch, you know, no defense. But, you know, the rap on him from what I heard in Carolina is inconsistent hands and and I would say that has probably been reflected, you know, in what we've seen the first four days of camp. You know, six foot two, two hundred ten pounds. So I, you, you like his size, particularly in the red zone where the Patriots had some struggles last year when Gronkowski wasn't playing. So I, I like that part of it. But you know, you say is he a lock? Like I can't call him a lock. The only thing that that makes me hesitate is the economic factor. But they gave him a yep. three million dollar signing bonus. That's a lot of money, and usually when you get a $3 million signing bonus, that pretty much means you're going to be around, you know, I I wouldn't say surefire lock. How about near lock? Can we say near lock for him just because of the economic component? What, one follow-up question while you're talking about that. One of the things I've seen, people writing like he could possibly take that tight end role, but, you know, just the running back guy, I'm the tight end guy that I worry and, and I don't mean to sound like I'm a, you know, I, a negative person, but Gronk has been injured a lot, and I don't see anyone behind him. I think Hooman's a great blocker. I just don't see Hooman as a threat on the offense. Yep. Do you, yep. Could LaFell, with his size and type of body, possibly step into that role? Well, I don't think so. And, and you know, it's... I, I thought they might have tried it with another guy they had previously had on the roster, and Mark Harrison, who was a little bit bigger at 230 pounds. And, you know, Bill Belichick had explained when, when he was asked about it, he said, look, it, it's awfully hard to just learn one spot in this offense, let alone yeah. two. And I think LaFell's got his hands full just to learn receiver in this very complex offense. I, I don't see it if they do anything at tight end in that regard, like the move tight end. Uh, I think it would be with DJ Williams there, um, you know, six foot two, 245 pound, might be a little generous on the weight. Mackey Award winner in 2010 out of Arkansas. Hasn't really emerged in the NFL, but made a couple plays today that caught my eye. I think he gives good effort in the, in the blocking game, even though he's not a very big guy. To me, that would have to be the answer more so than a Brandon LaFell. Well, the thing I want to know about Brandon LaFell, it's what I kind of harken back to last year when we had the three rookie wide receivers um, who had some drops at big po- uh, big points during the uh, the season. And, of course, you said that the knock on LaFell was that he dropped. But how much can it be accompanied that it is a mental aspect? He's trying to learn. He's going from a number system in Carolina to learning a whole new playbook, exactly as the rookies were doing last year. How much of that can we say is mental on the fact of wanting to be in the right place at the right time and then catch it coming secondary? I think that's a very good point, and probably a big part of it is, you know, you hear players talk about that a lot. You know, I'm not, I'm no longer thinking out on the field, so I'm playing faster. And I think that probably applies to Brandon LaFell right now. One thing that helps him is that, you know, at least, you know, he's been in the NFL for four seasons. You know, so he's not, you know, trying to play faster without thinking, um, while also making the great transition from the college game to the pro game, he's already made that transition. So I think it lessens it a little bit, but still significant and, and I think a very valid point. Sticking with the offense for just a minute, Mike, the, the offensive line obviously had 
injuries last year, like everybody else, uh, it, it hurt the team as a whole. But, boy, they just couldn't protect Brady, and that worries me going into this year. Although Jeff, when we were talking prior to you coming on, said that he thought Conley looked pretty good today. Are Conley and, and Wendell capable of going back to what they were a couple of years ago, or is this the beginning of a decline and we're going to see the young guys out there more? Now, the, uh, another good point, and I, I think I, I think Connolly and Wendell, you can win with them. And I, so I, I, I file this under um, a high-class problem, in the words of Robert Kraft, where, you know, better to have too many players than not enough players. So I think you can win with them, but I think you also are trying to upgrade with both of them. And so I would say that, they, I think they'd like to see the rookie center, Ryan Stork, uh, win that center job. And from what I've seen so far, pretty encouraging signs. You know, um, specifically in one-on-one drills, uh, I've watched him the last two days, and he's taken three repetitions, and I think he's had three victories. Um, now, they're victories against some of the lower-level players on the roster, so I think that's important to point out. You know, he's not standing up Vince Wilfork at this point. But I see a lot of potential for Stork, you know, to possibly win that center job. Well, at right guard, watch out for Josh Klein. You know, I think this guy, the second-year guy, remember he stepped in in that, in that Baltimore game last year and really yeah. uh, came, came up big for him. Watch out for him because, you know, I think he's, he's looked pretty sharp as well in those one-on-one drills. And, you know, he could give Connolly a run for his money. Last thing on Connolly. The money factor, again, we know economics are such a factor in things. $3 million base salary for him, I I find it hard to believe he'll be here on that salary. But ultimately, if they get to the end of camp and they think, you know, they need him, maybe they could approach him about possibly, uh, you know, either reducing that number or doing something to make it a little more easy for the team to carry him on the roster. Now, at one point today, right in front of us, we had uh, three quarterbacks uh, with Rob Gronkowski and Shane Vereen, and they were running out-and-up patterns. I thought Gronkowski looked pretty good. What can we look into with the two of them doing those patterns? Yeah, well, we've seen that the first, this is fourth day of camp. We've seen that pretty much in every practice. I think it's just trying to get Gronkowski, trying to get his timing back, just, again, trying to get more comfortable uh, with the repair from the right ACL tear. And uh, so where Gronkowski isn't participating in the full team drills, a lot of times when there's a little bit of a special team thing going on on one field or some type of different drills where they can free up the quarterbacks and get Gronkowski over there with them with a couple others, they've been, you know, maximizing their time to do that. So I wouldn't read read into too much on sort of why he was doing it as much as probably, you know, the idea of we're just trying to get him up to speed here because he's not uh, 100% and not 100% participant in all the drills. I'm going to go down Jeff's road for just a minute on, on running backs, and I know that's his favorite topic, so we'll let him do the, any follow-up to this question. As you look at this year's team, with White now added uh, to the dimension at running back, two parts. One, is Ridley's job in, in danger here? Or num- and number two, with White and Ridley or Vereen, do you, are you going to see more of the pony backfield and, and more passing swing passes? Well, on the second part, Bob, I, I think absolutely. I expect to see um, the backs be more involved in the passing game and probably something I need to back off of a little bit. You know, I think one of the mistakes they made last year was letting, I don't want to say letting Woodhead go, but I thought they could have, you know, been a little more aggressive in keeping him. So I felt like if you had Woodhead and Vereen last year, and I think, I'd like to believe they recognize that, and maybe I've maybe I've sort of gone too far on that specific to Woodhead, but you know I think when you now have James White and Vereen, the idea is, hey, we might we might have something special here if we pair these guys together in terms of putting some stress on opposing defense. So I think I think we'll definitely see that. How much you know remains to be seen. And in terms of Ridley, I guess my question would be, you know, if not Ridley, then who? You know, like I. Do you turn it over to Vereen and, and White, and then you have Bolden, and maybe one of the young kids steps up. Maybe Ben Jarvis Green Ellis comes back. I don't know. I think right now Ridley's probably safe, but you know, let's revisit this. You know, week three of the preseason, week four, 
if you if you've put a couple balls on the ground with some careless ball security, uh, I don't think anyone would be shocked if the team moves on if if that problem persists. Mike, final question for me, and it involves uh, the running back position as well as special teams. I saw Roy Finch today uh, uh, returning punts with uh, Danny Amendola and, of course, Julian Edelman, and uh, also catching some balls out of the backfield. Uh, one thing that I think if Finch is going to make this team, it could be definitely on uh, you know teams and, and, and his punt returning ability. He's got a lot of jitter there, but um, there's one thing that kind of concerned me today is, is out of all the guys that were catching punts, he did not catch one cleanly, and that's got to be a big step for him moving forward. Definitely. Well, Jeff, you saw me, and you probably know after seeing me why I like Roy Finch. I mean, he's probably the only guy I can see eye to eye with on the team, right? I mean, that, that, that's, that's one for the short guys right there. Um, you know, what is he, five? They list him at 5'8", 167. I mean, that's unheard of, right, in this big man's game. Um, I, I think he's probably more of a practice squad guy, you know, if he, if he sticks. Uh, but fun to watch, right? I mean, he's he's got a little um, a little uh, juice in his step, if you will. Um, and good good observation. I'm not catching him cleanly. I I, I still think that's going to be Julian Edelman or Danny Amendola returning punts. But a guy like Roy Finch, maybe on a practice squad, keep him around. If you know you get an injury to one of those punt returners, and you can call on a guy like that. Maybe you go ahead and do that. So that's my thought on Finch. Definitely always pull for the short guys and. And that guy, uh, you know, definitely shows that, well, it's a big man's game. You know, there's still a place for, uh, a, you know, a shorter guy with some electric skills. Mike, the Pats have done a really good job of rebuilding on the move over the last few years. Many people think of the Patriots as an old team because they think of Brady or they think of Wilfork. A lot of young kids on this roster. All seven of last year's draft picks are still there. Some free agents from last year are there. Realistically, how much room is there for this year's youngsters? Um, Other than the one through four draft picks, which are usually pretty much locks, who has the best shot, do you think, of making this team, and and how many spots are there really available for kids? That's a great question. So let's go through them, um, you know, right down the line. So, you you know, like you said, we know Easley is going to be there. We know Garoppolo is going to be there. We know Stork is going to be there. The question more with him is, you know, does he get the starting job more so than does he make the roster? So those are your top three picks. You know James White, the running back, is going to be there and contribute. So that, that gives us our top four. So, so now let's go to the back end of the draft picks. We'll go to Cameron Fleming, uh, the, the third fourth-round pick that they had. Uh, he'll definitely, in my opinion, be on the roster. Um, you know, late fourth-rounder, to me, this is sort of, who they envision uh, filling the Marcus Cannon role next year. I think they love Marcus Cannon, and I think they probably realize he's going to get a pretty nice deal in free agency next year that will probably be tough to match. So you have a guy in-house that you can work with this year to fill that role. Patriots, to me, do a great job thinking ahead along those lines, and that's where I see Cameron Swimming uh, fitting on this year's team in sort of that redshirt capacity, assuming there's no injuries to Solder to Volmer, and to Cannon, your top three tackles. Then you have John Clapio, your sixth-round guard out of Florida. I'd say he's had a little bit of a rough entry here at the start of training camp, struggled a little bit in the one-on-one drills. I don't think, from what I see, he's ready to compete for a starting job, uh, but I'd have to put him on the roster right now just because you know that's a pretty uh, 179th overall pick. I think they want to develop some young guys there on the offensive line, so... I'm going to give him the spot ball, but I maybe don't feel as confident in it as maybe I did prior to camp, you know, based on what I've seen, but still a long way to go. I think Zach Moore, the six-round pick out of Concordia, defensive end, I lock him on the roster because I think when you pick a guy like that, you know you're, going to, you're on a two-year plan. You know, six foot six, 275 pounds. I mean, he is a beast, but he's so raw. And you're just not going to That is know. a Jamie Collins type. Yeah, very much so, but probably even even more raw than Collins just because of the level of competition, you know, that he's coming in from. So I think he's going to be there like almost like Jake Beckett was in his first year, just red shirt in a year, and then you sort of make a decision on him next year. And then the last two, you know, Jamea Thomas, he got hurt after the first practice. He hasn't practiced since. To me, that puts him in jeopardy and maybe makes him more of a practice squad candidate if we don't see him soon. 
because things happen so fast in training camp, it's hard to catch up and make the team when you're a rookie. And Jeremy Gallon, the seventh-round pick, the receiver, he hasn't practiced yet. He's on PUP. Wouldn't be surprised if he stays on the PUP, assuming that he's not cleared, and they sort of find a way to keep him, you know, without having him count against the roster. Excellent stuff, Mike. Well, Mike Reese from ESPN Boston, thank you very much for joining Patriots well, Beat here. Hey, Jeff. Yes? You haven't let me give his weekly plug. Oh, you can give it the plug. To the to quick hits column, because that was going to be my last question. Today you talked about Jamie Collins uh, primed to make the jump to the rare three-down front seven yeah. defender. Man, yeah. that's quite a step. Do you think he's gotten that far already? I, th- I think they're projecting that, Bob. I think they're projecting that for him uh, based on, you know, the fact that I didn't see him out there and the special team stuff. And, you know, he was a core special teams guy for him last year. I do think he's ready. I think I'm sort of cautioning things because I do think, and, and I'm guilty of this at times, sometimes we, we want to sort of guys in the Hall of Fame before they've really done anything. And I know we're not doing that here. But we create expectations that are hard to reach, you know? And I think in this case, it's pretty warranted for Jimmy Collins. I mean, that, that performance he had against the Colts last year in the playoffs, that was pretty special. I think he's capable of it. Now it's just a matter of him going out and proving he can do it. Thanks, friend. Well, again, Great Mike, stuff, thank guys. you very much. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. We really appreciate it. Have a great day. You got it. That, of course, was Mike Reese of ESPN Boston joining us here on CLNS Radio's Patriots Beat. Uh, Mike, a great guy, great columnist there for ESPN. And uh, i got to thank Mike a lot because uh, being the first time down here at uh, Patriots with uh, some media pass, um, he did uh, a lot of things to show me exactly where to go, and I appreciate that very much. So I tell you where to go all the time. Well, exactly, but I don't listen to you. <laughs> Uh, so the Mike Reese uh, interview is brought to you by Celtics Beat Saturdays at 2 p.m. Join the guys over at Celtics Beat. And, of course, check us out on YouTube, www.youtube.com slash CLS Radio, where we have live look-ins from the uh, Celtics parquet floor all the time. It's a great thing as we uh, grow here on CLNS Radio. Well, enjoy the interview with Mike. He brought out a couple of points that was... I thought very interesting. One, towards the end there when he was talking about players that aren't practicing, and I kind of had this on my list when you and I were talking before he came on, the the name that jumps out at me is, is Gallon because there seemed to be a lot of people that would like to see Gallon make the team, but the fact that he hasn't practiced and has gotten hurt, uh, it, that's tough. It's tough to come back from that. I mean, it, last year the same thing happened uh, and and at the wide receiver position, it, it held some of the rookies back, and they were unable to kind of catch up with the veterans. So I, I thought that was an interesting point he made on Jimmy Gallon, Jeff. Oh, definitely. And one of the points that he also made of uh, the hit that James White took from uh, Brandon Browner, Brandon Browner can be absolutely bring it. I mean, he absolutely depleted him today. Um, you know, you don't hear, of course you hear the fans, you know, clapping and this and that, but over where, where I was, you know, it, it's all business. But, I mean, everyone in the media tent that saw it stood right up and said, wow. And, you know, the big thing here was such a good hit, but White also held on to that ball. Well, and I know you're a White fan. I am, too. And I I, I know you were happy to hear uh, him go down the road of the the pony backfield, and you've said this for the last, you know, twelve years that that running backs are the key to the game. Uh, prior to twelve years ago, you were a little younger, and you probably were a little wiser. But I, it looks like pretty much unanimous when we talk to anyone. I know last week with uh, with Chatham, uh, it was the same type of answer we got. So people seem pretty excited about that part of the offense this year, Jeff. Yeah, it was kind of the uh, buzz going around there. I was speaking to a, a guy by the name of Eric from Yahoo Sports, and and uh, was one of the things we had talked about was uh, was the fact that the Patriots can move towards a two tie, uh, two uh, running back set and be able to still um, do many things, not only with Shane Vereen and James White, but also. Um, you know, you know, Stephen Ridley. It was one of the questions that was asked to Ridley after practice today was his evolving role in the uh, in the um, uh, Patriots offense, and 
being able to catch the ball. I already talked about how Roy Finch had some natural hands out there, and even uh, even Brandon Bolden uh, looked uh, well today, and we know that uh, I've never really been high on Bolden. He looked pretty well catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, James Gray, the second-year player out of uh, Notre Dame, um, looked uh, decent today. So they're, they're, they had some nice you know stuff behind center with uh, James Devlin running, and then they had some stuff where they where they were split out wide, and uh, they, you know I saw a lot of uh, wheel routes as well as some screens, so it looked really good. So are you as excited after your first actual practice about the team as you were prior prior to seeing them today? Uh, the one thing that I can definitely say is I am actually a little more um, excited about the team because uh, four days into camp, the way that they have come together, it, it, it's all business here, but you can see that the, these guys care about each other. And uh, it was one of the questions that I asked Steve Ridley after practice was I asked him about uh, what he thought about uh, his running back teammates and uh, you know brought each one of them out by uh, you know by name. Uh, James White was the first person that he uh, he you know mentioned came out and said you know uh, James has come in here he's 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 learned the playbook he's doing a great job and then then he went into you know uh Stephen Houston and and Roy Finch as, as well as Shane Vereen um it, it's exciting to see that the the way that they're going to come together because we all know that the the day of the 300 yard running back unless your name is uh you know Arian Foster uh, or um or Adrian Peterson, the day of the 300 carry running back is is starting to go away. So needing all these guys to stay fresh and uh, and get out there and and the less is more approach uh, is definitely something nice to see. I worry a little bit about the overhype again this year. We're hearing about Kenbrook Tompkins, and that's not meant as a knock at him. But I was glad to hear Mike step it back just a notch during the interview because Tompkins had that spectacular. Um, preseason last year, and the world was at his fingertips. He had a decent year, but he did definitely have the growing pains of a rookie. Um, And my concern with him is his hands. He catches the ball an awful lot with his body. Uh, which it's leads. funny you should say that, Bob, because that's one yeah. of the, the things I took away from it today. He seems to be making more of an active approach to catch the ball with his hands um, on a on a deep seam route catch. Um, he actually, you know, he came open and right into his hands. Last year we would have seen him kind of, uh, you know, uh, bring it into his body, jump up, and and we wouldn't have seen the uh, you know the rack, the yards after catch. But I, I saw him use his hands more today than I had last season. Well, and I'm glad because I think that's critical to his development. And who am I to say? I'm not out there on the field or coaching. But that was the one thing that kind of jumped out at me a little bit that that I was concerned about with him. Not that he didn't have a, a good, for an undrafted free agent, he had an unbelievable year. But now we're looking the second year, and expectations are going to be a little higher from him this year than they were last year when no one had any expectations. Um, and especially with Dobson, you know, being held back with the foot injury and how much training camp he'll actually get to participate in. I was under the the impression earlier when he went for his surgery, which occurred late, uh, if you remember, between uh, the season and, and the opening of the, the uh, practices, that he was going to be ready for the beginning of training camp, but obviously he's not. He's not out there doing anything. So I, I have to be a little concerned about that, too, because I, if he's healthy, and I'm talking about Dobson now, I don't worry about their receiving core. I know a lot of people still do, and names keep getting thrown about. But Dobson is unable to to be ready at the opening bell. Then all of a sudden you, you're starting to look, as you mentioned earlier, at Tompkins as the number three receiver out there. I, I'm not sure he's ready to step up to that role yet. Um, you know, that's a good question because I, I personally believe that uh, Aaron Dobson will be coming off the PUP list uh, at some point over the summer. Uh, I saw him in the uh, in the hallway after uh, practice today, um, you know, walking without a limp. He was out, uh, you know, in, in his pads. He's working off to the sidelines, and, uh, you know, his spirits seem to be up. So uh, I would expect him to come off the PUP uh, shortly, of course, uh, being the New England Patriots. Uh, we're not going to get much uh, in a way of what's happening with the uh, injuries here. But, uh, you know, he seemed to have a smile on his face and, uh, you know, just picking up what he can do. And uh, that's, um, you know, that's very exciting right there for uh, Aaron Dobson. You know, Julian Edelman, I got to speak with him after practice today. And, uh, you know, I expect him to just uh, go as uh, as hard as he can last year. And, and, you know, Brady will get to the guy who's open. 
Well, and when you talk about Edelman, I, I wonder because of as much use as, as he got last year, and he's not going to get much this that much this year. I still think he has the potential to have a very good year. But I think one of the nice things about this year's team is Brady will have more of an opportunity to spread the ball around. But man, he's so great on punt returns. He's, he's you know number one and number two, I think, in the NFL last year on punt return uh, yards per punt return. But do you think they could gradually be sliding out of that because he's so valuable right now in the role that he played last year? And if so, maybe that's where you see someone else step up into the, the punt return category? You know, it's funny because I did ask them that right after the uh, right after practice today. I said, you know, Julian, you had 105 catches last year. Um, you know, is the fire still there to uh, to be a punt returner? You were out there today with Danny Amendola and Roy Finch, uh, and he said, yeah, hell, you know, that's definitely what he he loves returning punts, and, and that's what he's gonna, you know, if they ask him to do that, that's what he's gonna do. Um, so, I mean, that's the one thing you can get excited about here is that you do have a a player who caught 105 balls last year, but also played such a valuable. Uh, part on special teams and what he was able to do uh, as a, a punt returner as well as a receiver. So uh, with uh, hopefully Danny Amendola being healthier this year as well as the uh, expected second-year jumps of Tompkins, Boyce, and, and Dobson, and, and then, of course, Danny, uh, Brandon LaFell coming in here, uh, you know, you, you might see a point where that, uh, you know, uh, Julian Edelman can return punts and it's not going to hurt what he does on the on the offensive side of the field. Well, and when you look at this year's team, one of the other things I, I have been seeing a little more of, I don't know whether you got a chance to see it today or not, was Hightower and then putting Hightower more in that position to be able to rush the passer, which you have mentioned before, and, and as have I, that he was kind of playing out of his strengths last year. Did you see any of that today? Were you able to watch Hightower at all? I didn't get a great look at Hightower today. They were doing the uh, one-on-one battles uh, on the very far end of um, the field that we were at. And unfortunately, I did not bring a set of binoculars today, counting on my eyes to be good enough. But, um, you know, I'm getting a little older, so the eyes are not seeing quite as far. Um, I didn't really get to see any of the one-on-one battles. I'll be I'll be anxious to see, um, you know, the people that did have binoculars there today, uh, what they were able to see. Moving forward, Dante Hightower, um, you know, but as I said, there were some one-on-one battles that were a little closer. Um, Nate Soldier held his own a couple times. Uh, Marcus Cannon had some extremely good footwork, uh, and we heard Mike Reese just talk about how, um, you know, they're very high on Mike Reese and uh, on Mike Cannon, and I can and I can understand why because of the fact that, um, you know, Marcus Cannon. I'm sorry, the fact that he can. Um, you know his footwork is just uh, getting so much better, and the fact that he had starting experience last year, uh, now he can be that swing tackle. He worked at both left tackle and right tackle today, and with uh, Sebastian Volmer coming back, uh, as long as as well as Nate Soldier, whose fifth year option was picked up, uh, the Patriots are very solid on the outside parts there. So those were the guys that I saw do pretty well today in one-on-one drills. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to catch into Dante Hightower and exactly what he was doing. One of the things every year at training camp, there's a player that. No one was expecting anything from Kemble Tompkins last year, but another player last year that had us kind of excited, but then the bottom drops out when the season starts, and that was Zach Sudfeld. We were all kind of excited. Oh, yeah, he's stepping in. He's ready to go. Man, when they really started hitting and playing, he was in his own world. He just wasn't there. I'm wondering, is there a player that, and, and I'm certain in your one day at camp watching, is there one of those, a Zach Sudfeld or a Kimbrel Tonkins out there, do you think that this year is going to be like, whoa, hang on, where did this guy come from? We never heard of him before. That I really can't uh, say right now. You're just getting one you know, basically an hour, hour and 15, hour and a half practice because it was rain shortened. There wasn't anyone that really stood out to me that I had never really heard of before. As I said, Roy Finch looked extremely well. I liked what he what he brought to the table. Uh, James White, of course, the fourth-round pick, he did some nice things. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward, especially as... Um, you know they start moving into the uh, the preseason games and the the joint practices that'll be held uh this week with the Philadelphia Eagles and then afterwards with the Washington Redskins exactly what uh which players stand out but um it'll be interesting to see i didn't see any undrafted rookie free agent that really uh you know turned my eye um but we'll see what happens as things move forward now your first training camp not your first training camp your first time in the media portion of training camp it's like night and day up there, guy. I see you. You sent me a picture from 
the command center. How awesome is that being up there in the in looking down over the stadium from where the where the media get to see what's going on? You know, it's very it's a very surreal sight. Um, you know, especially you know being a uh, being following the Patriots for thirty plus years, it's a it's a surreal sight to come up here and see how everything works. Um, and and going from there, uh, many people are out there who are you know uh, attempting to uh, you know be Patriots media and this sort of thing, and and the way that they. Um, you know, handle business is is top notch here. Everyone that I spoke to was uh, extremely accommodating of me, especially when I asked. Uh, you know, that I had a podcast at uh, one o'clock. They they told me exactly where I could uh, head over to. Um, very great, gracious people. All the media members that I I spoke to, um, you know, just uh, great. Um, you know, but there's a lot of people out there that uh, with social media think that all it takes is a keyboard and you're good to go. Well, I can tell you right now, it uh, is a lot harder than that looks, um, you know, to be taken serious in this business. And uh, it's it's something that we're looking forward to here on uh, CLNS Radio, and hopefully this will be uh, the first of many times uh, with the New England Patriots. So are you ready to quit your day job? I don't think I'm that good yet, but someday <laughs> maybe. Well, I know it was a thrill to be there, buddy, and, and wish I could have been there with you. And this year's team is developing and evolving. I was just disappointed that the the, the – Practice today was cut short, as I'm certain you were, with the thunderstorms and the heavy rain. But it looks like you got to see quite a bit and analyze what was happening out there in the field. What what words of wisdom would you like to pass based on what you saw today to our listeners? Uh, the one word of wisdom, and it's actually really not a word of wisdom, but a, a prediction here, because you did ask me if there was an undrafted uh, free agent that, that could make uh, splashes on this team, and I think it's going to be the long snapper, uh, Tyler Ott, who came in from Harvard. Uh, I saw him and, uh, and snapper uh, Aiken um, right in front of us doing uh, snapping drills, and uh, his ball comes out of the hand fine, great rotation, uh, no issues with uh, Ryan Allen, uh, you know, back and forth. They, they looked uh, extremely good together there uh, today, so uh, Especially with the fact that he signed to a three-year contract, as, as opposed to Aiken, who's in the final year. Um, you know, if it's a head-to-head battle, I got to say that Ott is the one that makes it. Um, you know, not a lot of people think about uh, long snapper being in a, such an important uh, position, but it really is. I mean, if you get a snap over the head, uh, you know, or on a, on a game-winning field goal, you know, that 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 you know, long snapper is something that needs to needs to be a, someone that you're very very uh, confident in. And I, I liked what Ott brought today. Um, you know, right in front of me, getting to see that sort of thing, and the speed that the ball comes out. And as I said, the rotation is very tight uh, spiral, not, not not the throwing spiral that a Tom Brady or or Ryan Mallett or Jimmy Garoppolo throw, but the long snapper, a very good spiral uh, through the legs and and hitting uh, number six Ryan Allen right in the hands. So you want us to get excited about the long snapper? Well, I'm just saying it's a very important uh, piece of the puzzle, uh, the 53-man team. So it was very exciting moving forward. Well, and we were talking earlier about that, you know, players that come and players that go during training camp, and I've mentioned the tight end. And I, I see where Bynum is no longer there. So that's the type of player that, that is coming and going. But we know Daryl Rivas is staying, and we're running short on time. Um, is he going to have that huge impact? We all think he will. He's going to take apart one side of the field. As I said today, the only the only time I saw him them even challenge him was in was in three quarter speed. Um, you can, I mean, he's easy to spot out on the field. Not only because he's out there wearing the brightest green cleats I've ever seen, and and Brandon Bolden and, and Stephen Ridley were wearing those cleats as well. Um, but the fact that, uh, as I said, his his movement, uh, you know, there's no missteps. Um, you know, he knows what the receiver is going to be doing. Uh, the back pedal, the, the the hips. I mean, you can just watch the way that he. Moves his hips left, left and right, and he it's always in perfect position no matter which way he goes. And I'm going to tell you right now, Logan Ryan also was um, was a guy who uh, I, I looked today, and his turn, um, you know, from backpedal to to uh, to covering someone was very good as well. Um, so I'm very excited about this uh, secondary moving forward. Well, in his camaraderie, which again Mike Reese mentioned uh, while we were talking to him a few minutes ago, with his teammates who have gone to to practice with him prior to training camp and, and trying to gel together in that leadership role. Uh, it's nice to see that happening. Oh, exactly. I mean, that's the whole thing is, is the leadership role. And you know what? The way that this uh, contract got restructured, that is $25 million next year, they can simply make that into a, um, into a, uh, you know, a signing bonus and spread it out over the 
uh, you know, a four or five year deal. But, uh, you know, a lot of things to come, you know, only day four into training camp. So uh, stick with CLS Radio and uh, and Patriots Beat as we uh, bring you everything we can with the uh, New England Patriots. Well, I've enjoyed it, Jeff. I thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to Mike Reese. Um, man, I'm about done. You got anything else you want to talk about, buddy? No, we'll be back next Sunday as we uh, we get ready for the first preseason game against the Washington Redskins. Uh, we'll be talking about the um, tool practices with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be exciting. Again, follow CLS Radio, at CLS Radio, and at Patriots Beat, at Patriots Beat, and then www.facebook.com slash CLS fans. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week, everyone. I hear that dirty water in the background. Internet Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.